Good morning, everybody. This is the Marcus Today Members Podcast on Tuesday, the 24th of October. Looking a little bit better today, up 15 points. Futures were down 15, though. Wall Street was down 191. We had a shabby week last week, a shabby day in our market yesterday. Our market was down 57 points yesterday. And the resources sector was down 2.61% yesterday. Big drop in resources. But looking a little bit better today. The Nasdaq managed a bit of a rise overnight. That's on hopes that the big tech results this week, we have big tech results from the Magnificent Seven, Microsoft, Alphabet, Apple, Amazon, Meta, Intel. That's only six as far as I can count, but whatever. The Magnificent Seven having results this week, and there is a bit of optimism that they will be okay. And indeed, our IT sector today has managed a bit of a rise and most of the FANG stocks in the US were up a bit overnight. So hopes for technology. Worth noting that we had hopes for investment banks. They had results last week in the US, but have a look at the charts in my section today. I've put in charts of Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs. You wouldn't be buying those. Both of those had results last week. Goldman's profit was down 33%. Morgan Stanley saw a 6.8% fall on their results. And both of them complained about the deal slump. And it's not really a great backdrop for Macquarie either. Have a look at the Macquarie chart doing the same as Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley testing the year lows and trending down. So certainly still in cash in the Macquarie only portfolio. So hopes for big tech. The other interesting thing overnight was the 10-year bond yield in the US having hit 5% recently had a big 20 basis point turnaround from top to bottom on the news that billionaire investor Bill Ackman, who was very publicly shorting the bond market, put out a tweet saying that he'd closed his shorts after a month and the bond market bounced, hence the 20 basis point drop in bond yields overnight. The 10-year bond yield was down six basis points on the day. So you can see there was a rise over 5% and then he's closed his shorts. So very short-term stuff, everybody following suit. I have got too tired to speculate whether it's the peak on bond yields. We have been speculating on whether it's the peak or not on bond yields for too long now. In fact, all year. But is it? Turning points often happen with sharp moves, but I just don't think Bill Ackman on his own is going to turn the juggernaut that is the bond market on his own. But the 10-year bond yield under 5% again overnight, 4.85%. Next Fed meetings on November the 1st. Remember, we were talking about the chances of a rate rise at the next Fed meeting on November the 1st. Now we're talking about the chance of a rate cut, 3.9% chance of a rate cut at the Fed meeting. No chance of a rate rise at the December meeting either. And the chance of a rate rise by June next year is just 9.7%. And there's a 60% chance of a rate cut. So those bond market odds, those odds are derived from the bond market. Those odds suggesting that we have probably hit the peak on bond yields. And there was a bit of Fed speak overnight mess saying that the Fed was near the, near the end of the tightening process as well. And overnight, the oil price down 2%, which is obviously inflationary or disinflationary when it goes down. So maybe we have found ourselves somewhere close to the peak. Anyway, bond yields topped out quite markedly last night. A small positive. I think the Middle East is becoming old.
old news now. I don't want to diminish it, obviously, but it's not driving the market. It's just taking the edge off it at the moment. Gold price notably down a little bit overnight. If the Middle East was ramping up, gold would still be going up. I wonder whether we should take a profit in our Northern Star trade in the ideas portfolio. We're up 7% on that in 14 days. That's not a bad score. But I don't think the Middle East is going to clean up very quickly. So no, ru- no rush to close that out. I've put a chart of BHP. We obviously have the BHP one stock portfolio. I put a chart of BHP in the newsletter today. See the copper price hitting the lowest price since November. Obviously, iron ore is the dominant commodity for them. Iron ore price down a touch overnight. I wouldn't be buying that trend. BHP is actually looking okay, I think, today. Up six cents. Well, it's not gotten down anyway. But a lack of momentum and certainly not driven or compelled to be adding BHP to the one stock portfolio in a market that's trending down. By the way, the S&P 500, as you probably read, is below its 200-day moving average. For what that's worth, it's seen as a technical support level. If the 50-day moving average drops through the 200-day moving average, it's called a death cross hate mentioning the term. The opposite is a golden cross anyway. The two haven't crossed yet, so no death cross yet. Death cross, goodness sake. This industry survives on overstating or glamorizing really quite benign events. The other thing to say today, I'm sure Henry, Henry by the way, is at the microchip, not microchip, micro cap conference today in Melbourne, so he is writing from a laptop. Tends to limit one's ability. I've popped some lithium stock charts charts into my section today. Have a look at those. All pretty horrible. Piedmont, Albemarle, just horrible, horrible trends. They are all breaking support. We obviously had the Liontown debacle crystallize yesterday with Liontown down 31% and down to $1.80 or so. 181 today. They had a relief bounce up to close to two bucks, but lost it all again the next day yesterday. Day. So that has blown a hole in lithium price sentiment. That's been combined with Bank of America downgrading all the lithium stocks last week, including uh, lithium target prices and downgrading their lithium price forecast by 20% and 50% over the next two years. So sentiment really is taking a hit in lithium stocks at the moment, but particularly in Australia after Albemarle pulls out of the Liontown bid. Now, Henry, I know, has bought some Liontown resources, suggesting there's some value there. Everyone's talking about it. It was $1.50 before the bid happened. I would just point out to you, if lithium sector sentiment was as bad as it is now before the bid, it would have been trading below $1.50. So I, with respect to whatever Henry uh, says, I just wouldn't be looking at the the big ones we'd look at would be Olchem, Pilbara Minerals, Mineral Resources. I see Pilbara up 4.2% today mineral resource up half a percent. I just wouldn't be buying into this. It very much looks like catching the knife. Yes, there's a great opportunity being built up if the lithium complex regathers enthusiasm and momentum at some point, which doubtless it will for periods. But in this trend, you are catching the knife. I would wait until it bounces before looking to get stuck in. Plus, the market's been going down. This is a sentiment-driven sector. You need to be buying into a rising market as well as improving sentiment. You need to be buying into a market going risk on. It's risk off at the moment. 
So I just wouldn't be touching lithium at this point in time. As you know, we sold AKE and Mineral Resources for small losses last week. And thank goodness we did because they've been pummeled since. On the strategy front, Morgan Stanley says the chances of a year-end rally are fading. I've put a seasonal chart of the S&P 500 in the newsletter today showing you the traditional Santa Claus rally. The Santa Claus rally is when the market rallies in the US in December. It's called the Santa Claus rally because they, of course, have an end of financial year at December 31st, different from ours. And what usually happens is that everybody does their or the accountants do all the numbers for all the funds and for individual investors as well. And decisions start to be made about we've got this much money. Should we invest it? Not invest it. Let's invest it. Generally speaking, a lot of money arrives in the US markets on January, in January, sorry, and all because they have the end of their financial year and decisions are made on what to do with any profits left over or money left over. And the decision usually is to invest. So there's a big inflow of money in January. It creates an anticipatory rally in the markets in December as people buy in anticipation of that. But here we have Morgan Stanley saying it's unlikely and they say the fourth quarter earnings forecasts are too high and also rising bond yields are a barrier to a rally as well. Anyway, I just note on that lithium, I didn't mention Atlas Lithium down 25.5% overnight on a corporate update. So no need to change anything in the portfolios to Today. Northern Star, our gold play, down a touch today, up 7% in 14 days. Might have to think about that. If there's any pacification in the Middle East, then that's a sell. Otherwise, BHP, as I say, in cash, BHP one stock portfolio in cash, Macquarie one stock portfolio in cash, and the strategy portfolio still in cash. Right, the interesting thing I am, I am considering at the moment and will probably push forward with is if you've read the weekend email and you read today's I'm considering color coding members and color coding our content to match members so at this point I'm suggesting if we use the hot colors for more risky investments and the cooler colors for less risky investments so what sort of investor are you are you a trader red are you a growth investor yellow are you a market timing investor using passive funds or super funds or ETFs or managed funds or list investment companies and timing them green and that's our strategy portfolio of course or are you a and I think the majority of our members are here or are you a blue a genuine investor who is looking to preserve the nest egg rather than necessarily grow it the yellows are trying to grow their nest egg generally the yellows will be coming up to retirement still have jobs can afford to take a bit more risk and are looking at companies with high return on equity rather than high dividend yield. So the blue is the generally speaking, and this is generalizing anyway, but blue is the sort of retiree investor probably focused on income, is very concerned about preserving capital, not losing capital. So are generally speaking conservative, and they are into setting and forgetting on quality stocks, say 20 quality stocks, generally large, reliable with high payout ratios. Stocks will be around in 10 years. They don't want to be disturbed by the market all the time, but they do watch their stocks. 
stocks and they fit the criteria of that article I wrote recently, the eight traits of a retiree investor. So that would be blue. Are you the analytical, sensible, long-term income-focused investor blue? Or are you actively chasing growth, probably coming up to pension phase, still got a job, can afford to take risk? Are you yellow, which is optimistic, looking forward to the future? Also investors, but more interested in growth than income? Or are you a trader, red, active, intense, skilled at trading? You have to learn all the trading skills. A lot of vigilance involved, probably some technical analysis, but requires discipline, ability to sell, which a lot of investors don't have. And it's not too interested in the long term or income, general disregard for fundamentals, traders, red. Or are you market timers, which is everybody who has a market exposure, maybe through your own super fund, balanced portfolios. In our case, we do it through ETFs in the strategy portfolio. And what we're doing is trying to get exposure to bull markets through passive investments. But we do want to avoid the big drops. So you want low volatility exposure to the investment markets, particularly the equity markets and possibly sectors at the right time. And you do that by timing ETFs. This also works for those in big super funds or industry funds, which is a huge cohort, of course. Uh, that have access to fund portals that allow you to click on cash or aggressive or balanced or whatever. Uh, So market timers, low volatility, passive exposures to the market, but making sure you avoid the big drawdowns. And then you'd have the last category, which I'll call white, which is everybody else, everyone who's got a super fund in an industry fund or other super fund, who are doing nothing, not changing any of their settings, not really necessarily interested in the stock market, or maybe interested in the stock market, but are doing nothing active. So that would be white. So the job for the newsletter is to turn white people into green, red, yellow, or blues. (laughs) And once we sort of establish this color coding, what sort of investor are you, we can then color code our content So that each of you knows, depending on what percentage of each you are, so there might be an 80, you might be 80% blue, income retired, conservative, preservative, trying to preserve your nest egg, but trade with 10%. So you might be 10% red, 80% blue. So you know which bits of the newsletter to read. And let me just give them to you. Our Marcus today, long-term income portfolio is suited to blues. Our our long-term growth portfolio is suited to yellows. Our strategy portfolio suited to green and Henry's take and the ideas portfolio suited to red so I'm also looking forward to and this is this is just interesting that this will make everything simple I think most whites most people who don't take an interest in the stock market but might like to they they assume everybody's a red trading like a dervish and it's a gamble but of course as many of you most of you know it isn't red at all but that's a barrier to entry for the whites is that they think everyone's trading of course they're not so there are different approaches so this is a sort of educational process of asking people what sort of investor are they or do they want to be and trying to help you by color coding areas of the newsletter for you and by having portfolios that suit each individual group and then I started to think this weekend well what if I took the top 100 and color coded each stock so obviously the banks are going to be blue suited to income long term not trading and Woolworths Coles Wes Farmers similar and then you'd look at a growth portfolio that would have 
have phases that come in and out. You have to be prepared to trade in the yellow area. So you'd be buying lithium stocks whilst they were hot or buy now, pay later whilst they were hot because you're prepared to take a risk, but you'd be vigilant enough to be able to sell as well. That's not trading, that's investing in high ROE companies. Well, I don't suppose Afterpay was ever high ROE, didn't really earn anything, but you get the idea. We could break the top 100 stocks down into stocks of different colours. And uh, that might be an interesting process. Anyway, thought I'd just introduce all that. Uh, we will be doing more on that running into Christmas and gives us all sorts of opportunities to make the newsletter more relevant, interesting and colourful for you, our members. Right, there we go. Henry, as I say, at the Microcap Conference today, he's got an on-the-couch podca- on podcast today. We had it last week, actually, with Nick Friedman, who is on the emotional side of planning retirement. I was very interested with his stuff. He was saying that in these four stages of retirement, which goes from, hooray, I'm free, I can do whatever I want, to boredom, to finding a purpose, to then enjoying life again, uh, he, he is of the opinion that the problem you have is if your community is your work community and you just drop straight out, you are, you are without a community and you become a nothing And that can be quite challenging. And that the process that you or he tries to help you with is you need to transition to retirement. And that's not a tax description, although it is. You need transition by retirement by building your other communities so that your work community isn't your life. Uh, Where you go wrong is to drop the whole of your life, which is your work community, and have nothing. So uh, building other communities. Anyway, interesting stuff. Listen to On the Couch with Nick Friedman, and a link to that is in the bottom of Henry's piece today. We'll see what he comes up with in the Microcap conference to write about tomorrow morning. As I say, he'll be writing from a hotel room, I imagine. We couldn't find too much of interest on the technical scans today. Lots of lithium stocks hitting 52-week lows. Mineral resources, one of them. And still the same tired old list of oversold big caps, CSL, Transurban, Coal, APA, EDV, Endeavour, which is pubs and hotels, Qantas, Iluca. I sometimes wonder whether whether the data's updating. The list is so similar. Illumina, so similar from day to day. Buy signals on CSL, Coles, Cochlear, although rather you than me. Those are daily buy signals. Weekly buy signals on the ASX and Ansel. Ansel had their AGM today. Share price down a touch on the back of that. Looking for other big movers today. Can't really see any apart from the 18% rise in zip i wouldn't touch it with a barge pole but you might it's in the red zone traders only announced their first quarter results transaction volumes up 11 percent revenue up 31 percent and there you go in the broker research i don't know what a4n does i'm sure henry does bell potter have a buy recommendation target price 119 percent above the current share price also shore and partners with a piece of research on hello world with a buy target price 56 percent above the current share price and macquarie with an outperform on piedmont pll target price 230 
already 6% above the current share price. And then we have on the flip side, Ord Minette with a sell on ProMedicus and a target price 56% below and with a lighten on zero with a target price 30% below. Ord Minette, doom and gloomers today. And for the lithium hopefuls, sometimes there are, I don't know whether whether Macquarie is the broker to Atlantic Lithium A11, but they've got a target price 57% above the current share price. I would just point out to you, if you find that there's one broker or even two covering a particularly small cap stock with no earnings, you can pretty much guarantee they probably listed the company and are responsible for marketing the company to the stock market and promoting it, which means their target prices are almost always above the current share price. So when you see one broker or a big broker writing about a small stock, they probably did the IPO. It should have a declaration on the research. They probably did the IPO and it's not really research, is it? It's more marketing material. Anyway, I'm sure there's some marketing material in the research today. Right, that's about it. Just on the diary, the focus this week is on a GDP number on Thursday and a PCE price report on Friday in the US, which is the Fed's preferred measure of inflation. Plus, we have all the big tech results out this week and tonight. We've got Michelle Bullock giving a speech tonight at 7 p.m., Albanese's flown to Washington trying to get AUKUS moving ahead. Israel is launching ground assaults into Gaza as we speak. Bank of Queensland goes ex-dividend on Thursday. And that's about it. Right, have a think. What colour are you? Red? Trader, yellow, growth, blue, income, nest egg builders, or green market timers, or white, not interested at all, and in what percentages. And hopefully we will colour the newsletter for you. You have a fabulous day. I'll be back tomorrow.